You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your solo host for tonight, Alex Varallo. Uh, our buddy Glenn is uh, a working man. Uh, there is a possibility that he might call in. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a shorter show tonight. Might be 60 minutes, might be a little bit less. We'll see You know how much of a blabbermouth I am tonight. Uh, but first off, let's start um, with a big thank you to our sponsor, uh, Mile Social. Um, if your company is looking to improve and get your name out there, out to the masses, and you need social media management or advertising, web design, any sorts of management and search engine optimization, Mile Social is your go-to plan right here. Um, you can find them at M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com. That's milesocial.com. Thank you for that. All right, folks. So here we are. Um, another tough week. Uh, the Jets have fallen to 0 and 4. Uh, you know, somebody said to me last year that there was a possibility that this roster could improve, but the Jets could be possibly even worse with the strength of schedule that they have. Now, I'm not even sure if strength of schedule um, is a good excuse or the main reasoning to why the Jets have looked so terrible over the past few weeks. And can't sugarcoat this anymore, people. Uh, we had a really bad product on the field. Um, you know, uh, when I talked about a couple uh, weeks ago, um, you know, the difference between being a hard worker and being a competitor. I believe there's a lot of hard workers on this team. Um, you know, even though there was some, uh, uh, you know, stuff coming from outside the locker room um, or inside the locker room, I should say, um, that was a little alarming, and I'll talk about that later. Um, but, you know, more or less, um, these guys are not competing. And, you know, everybody else looks like uh, they know how to play this game, but the Jets just do not look like they know what they're doing out there. Um, a lot of it is on the coaching. Um, that's Adam Gase. That's Greg Williams as well. I'm not excluding him. I'm not going to be that person that only just puts one thing on one individual because the Jets' issues are so vast and, and scary, and there's so many different holes um, that we've talked about so many different times, so many different episodes, um, and it just seems that they cannot write any of these longs. Uh, but, you know, there's something that I'm going to talk about um, later on this show on whether or not if they've, you know, put forth enough effort into making the right corrections to get this team back on track. Um, so that'll be coming up later in tonight's show as well. Uh, just going to, you know, start off the show with a little bit of injury report, um, you know, for whatever reason, um, Adam Gase and the Jets decided to take a little break after getting beat down last Thursday night. Um, they had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday today. So they've had five days of rest. Um, maybe that'll help them to get healthier. Um, but, you know, a team that's 0-4, it seems like these guys should uh, – probably be working on trying to become a better football team. Um, so who knows? I'm not an, an interior guy. Um, I don't have, you know, air quoting sources on the inside. 
But, uh, you know, I'd hope that they've spent a few days, you know, getting mental reps, studying film, working over their game plan, communicating in some form uh, to try to figure out a way to pull a W on Sunday. Um, You know, some things that we were kind of anticipating aren't happening. Uh, You know, Mims, Tenzel Mims might be coming off the IR this week. I'm not too sure about that. I think the Jets have till tomorrow to make a decision or post uh, what they're going to do with him. Uh, same thing goes with Bell. Uh, a couple other guys, you know, obviously their concern is Jordan Jenkins um, got hurt last game, and we saw a lot more reps from uh, UDFA Bryce Huff. I mean, Glenn talked about him uh, a while back, and, you know, that was somebody that was of interest to us. Um, clearly the guy has – uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, built up crazy energy when he gets into the line of scrimmage and he's very explosive. Um, you know, he didn't fill up the stat sheet, but uh, I believe he had, you know, a couple hurries, some, some QB hits, some pressures. Um, he had a couple tackles for a loss. Uh, I think one of them was on a, on a screen play. So, you know, the kid's a player. He's hungry. Um, he's everything that you'd want right now in a New York Jet. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the big contract, so he's not trying to be protective with his body. You know, he's not making business decisions out there. He's a UDFA that's trying to fight and earn a spot for the rest of the season. So Bryce Huff, number 47, somebody to put a pin on for the rest of the year. Um, so we don't know, um, you know, where certain players are going to be. Makai um, Becton, obviously we now know he had a sore knee um, that I believe happened in – maybe week two. Uh, so he was already working with one injury, and then apparently he had injured his shoulder. Uh, he was going to be in, in emergency use only. Uh, Chuma Adoga goes down. He comes in um, and pulls himself out. And a lot of fans, a lot of people, and a lot of people from the media, everyone rightly so, you know, why did they put him out there? Um, now, here's the thing. When you go to the doctor – do you refute what the doctor says after you come in and you say, I have a cold? He does his analysis. He checks your body. He gives you what he thinks is going on. He prescribes you medicine or some sort of treatment. 99% of the time, you probably go with the doctor's opinion. So I'm assuming that that's the way that this worked here with Becton. He got cleared by the training staff or the team doctor, which is quite alarming if they're, you know, pushing forward guys like that. Kind of brings us back to that same Colecchio assembly situation last year to where, the Jets told him, you know, same same kind of scenario. It was a shoulder injury. You know, Coletio had a cyst in, inside there that they found. Jets and the team doctor said it's not a big deal. He went to go get a second opinion. He said that, you know, obviously you should probably have surgery to get this corrected. Jets didn't want him to do that. He did it anyway, and then they cut him. You know, I do not assume that that's going to be the same scenario with Makai Becton. That would be a travesty. But it is very, very similar to how they wanted to push him into the lineup when he was injured. And it looks like they did the same thing with Makai Becton. You know, there's a, there's a saying, the reason why we study our history is so we do not make the same mistakes of our past. And it looks like the Jets have not learned from their history with Coletio Semler. Um, Makai Becton is extremely talented, probably one of the best players on this team after only a few weeks. Um, you know, we've seen the highlight films. Brian Boldinger does these great, Baldy breakdowns, and he's absolutely infatuated with him. So am I. You know, I get goosebumps every time I see him, you know, trucking somebody over and, you know, just throwing bodies all over the place because it's pretty much what Becton's been doing all year up until the point to where he got hurt. So, 
you know, we got a couple guys. Obviously, the Jets are not healthy. This has kind of been the theme for the last couple of years with the team. Um, but, you know, the next up, next man up mentality really hasn't worked out for this team. And that has a lot to do with, you know, building a good roster, having strength on your depth chart, and things like that. And, you know, some areas we really seem overloaded with positions, um, and then not a lot in other areas. Um, we have a ton of defensive linemen. It does not seem that we have enough um, offensive linemen. And here's the interesting thing. Our defensive linemen are not playing anywhere near to the caliber of what they were doing last year. And it's kind of alarming because there's been very little turnover besides Jamal Adams, who's a big piece, C.J. Mosley, who, let's face it, he was here for a handful of quarters, so I really can't count him in last year's scheme. Um, but we really haven't turned over that much. We have a new safety, a new corner, you know, a couple different linebackers, but not much has really changed. So I'm very confused on why Greg Williams' defense has been so unsuccessful. Um, you know, discipline is a huge factor when you're on the field, and this team does not play smart. They do not play discipline. And all the penalties that they've had uh, definitely show for it. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat. Had a little bit of a coughing fit um, just out of nowhere before the show. So if I sound a little hoarse, I do apologize. All right, so I'm doing my list here. And um, blame, you know, the concerns with our injuries, but I haven't talked about the big one, and that's Sam Darnold. Um, I tweeted the NFL probably about four times since last Thursday. I don't understand how a quarterback gets a sprained AC joint, gets slammed on his face the way that Sam Darnold did during that game. And there's no fines for the refs. There's no fine to that linebacker, Anderson from Denver. There's no justice for Sam Darnold, folks. And I'm pissed off about it. Uh, there's no way in today's day and age where a quarterback like, let's say, Russell Wilson or Tom Brady or – just Pat Mahomes, okay, Pat Mahomes gets, you know, breathed on by the defensive team, and he gets a penalty. Give me a break, NFL. you got to call an even game. you got to call it fair for all the quarterbacks out there. You've created these new rules to protect the quarterback, and you failed us by not throwing the flag in that play right there. Um, especially at the end of the game where Steve McClendon, had a little contact with the quarterback at the end of the game, and it created a skirmish with Fangio. And to be honest with you, if you're going to try to run up the clock, I mean, sorry, if you're not going to run out the clock, and you're going to try to run up the scoreboard with 40 seconds left, and you're still taking shots down the field when you have 11 or 12-point lead and the, and the Jets have no timeouts left, you know, that's a big middle finger for me. That was not fair. And you know what? He was upset because there was a lot of penalties because of the Jets' undisciplined play with roughing the passer. But who's to say that the Jets weren't retaliating for the manner in which they slammed Arnold? So, you know, Denver's probably going to say that we're cheap and Greg Williams is dirty, and we know Greg Williams has a lot of, uh, you know, dirty laundry in his history, you know, back in New Orleans and all that stuff. So, you know... I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong, but I do feel that what Fangio did was wrong. Um, and that's just my opinion. I'll leave it there. Um, and I'm sure everybody has different opinions about that, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about 
you know, another another team's, you know, head coach being a buffoon, especially when we have a buffoon of a head coach of ourselves. So anyway, um, Sam Darnold, folks, um, possibility that he is not going to be playing this Sunday. Uh, I think Benish Mehta said, you know, he had heard some inclinations that he, he's not going to be, that he wants to play, but it's probably in the best interest to protect Sam from himself and give him another week, maybe two, to heal with this AC, this sprained AC joint in his shoulder. It's the throwing arm, very alarming. If this ends up being something where he has to get surgery down the line, this could very well be, you know, the, the pivotal point of what made Sam Darnold not be part of the Jets' future anymore. I remember this when Chad Pennington was playing great for our team. Chad went out and he hurt his shoulder. He had surgery. The Jets let him go. He went to Miami. And he still played well. And I do remember him knocking us out of the playoffs in that Week 17 game when he was with Miami. So, anywho, you know, hopefully Sam can get through this AC joint injury and, you know, the kid can come back. But it really, really does seem that, uh, you know, Joe Flacco might be getting the start this Sunday. And that brings me to the question, you know, you know, Sam Darnold, I've, I've been a little bit of a uh, – I guess I've been hard with my critiquing of him as late, and a lot of people get upset when you do that, but I'm not really concerned about people's opinions of me. Um, I'm watching a young quarterback that's struggling out in the field. Um, yes, a lot of it has to do with Adam Gase's poor offensive scheme. It has to do with the poor talent level of the offensive line. Uh, we did make minor improvements to the offensive line, but in my opinion, you know, one thing that I have talked about tonight going to be into my next topic I'm working my way into here is the offensive concerns. And my offensive concerns lie within this offensive line because last week we gave up six sacks. And majority of them came off of interior pressure. That's Alex Lewis, Connor McGovern, and Greg Van Roten. Now out of the three, I want to say GVR is probably the biggest liability right now. I cannot sit here and say that GVR has been an improvement from what we've seen from other right guards in the past, like Brian Winters and the other laundry list of guys that we've had play last year at right guard. Um, it's concerning. You know, it takes time for the O-line to gel. I get all those things. But if you look at the stats, you take away Darnold's 84 rushing yards between P. Ryan and Bell, I'm sorry, Gore, they had 45 yards total. I know a lot of people are upset about, you know, P. Ryan's snap count and everything like that. I'll be honest with you. The guy's been hurt. He hasn't been able to. I don't know how far along he is with this playbook. I don't know if there's limitations to what he does that conflicts with Adam Gase's scheme. I mean, a lot of people say, play the young kid, don't play the 37-year-old guy. But we all know Gase has his guys. He's a hard-nosed coach. He's set in his ways. And sometimes his worst enemy is the man in the mirror. Probably should have given P. Ryan some more touches at that point in time. My understanding is probably, you know, pass protection and blocking. Probably Gore is better than that than the kid is at this point in time because Gore's seen and experienced a lot more looks and packages. Um, and the last thing you want 
is to have, you know, a player like Kalen Bellage who was cut because, you know, he let up, I think, a couple sacks and he missed some blocks and other things like that. Um, didn't really have a great game the last couple weeks. Um, you know, as a receiver, it seemed like he was going to be something for us, you know, a third down guy, scat back. But, uh, you know, if you're going out there on third down and you're blocking that poorly, um, you're going to get our quarterback hurt, you're a liability. That's why he's no longer on the team. So, way I put this Gore-P. Ryan situation here, probably Gore's a better pass blocker and Gase is more comfortable with him. Even though we want to see the younger running back because it's exciting to see young, new running backs, Gase doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about fantasy football. He doesn't care about what the fan base thinks. He goes and just does what he wants. And that's our head coach. Kind of stinks. All right. Another thing I have to mention here, which is pretty interesting. Um, never knew that Josh Andrews had the ability to play tackle. Uh, I know that he was a backup center. I know that he's got some experience playing guard, but I did not know that he could play tackle. Um, and the reason why that, ha- you know, if you forgot, George Fant did get hurt and had to miss, I think, one or two series. So Jets are very limited right now with depth on the O-line. Beckton's hurt. Doga had to leave the game. You got George Fant. He's actually been playing very well, but he's clearly not healthy. He's been banged up. Um, and then you got Connor McDermott, who just, you know, plug-and-play guy at this point. Um, and he had to finish out the game for our tackles. Um, apparently, you know, he let up some pressures too. So, you know, my understanding with, with uh, McDermott, um, when he came in late last year, he had to play guard. I think that's probably where he's best fit. Not a bad guy to have on your team that has the eligibility to play inside and out. It's good. That's a good depth piece but probably not the guy that you want to deploy every Sunday as a starter. Um, and to be honest with you, if Beckton can't go and Edoga's still banged up, looking very likely that Carl McDermott is going to be our left tackle this Sunday. But we'll see. Got to talk about Joe Flacco just for a minute here. Um, he's a Super Bowl winner. He's been in the league a long time. I think his arm might be a little deflated um, just due to age. Um, clearly not the guy he used to be. But as far as experience, probably the best backup that we've seen on this team in the last five years. Um, you know, whatever with Fitzmagic, I'm not even going there. But in my opinion, I'd rather have Flacco than Fitzmagic. Patrick, whatever. Um, you know, can Joe Flacco stop the bleeding? You know, what, what is that going to do if Joe Flacco wins this weekend? You know, what, what, what world will we be in if Joe Flacco is getting games over Sam Darnold and he's healthy? Scary thought, but if the guy's going to win the game, and that's what we want to do is see wins, I don't know. I'll have to save that conversation for Glenn because that's kind of a touchy subject. I'm not even sure how I feel about that. Um, I don't know if Joe Flacco has what it takes to get us a W this weekend. Um but he has more experience than Sam Darnold. He's seen all the crazy coverages. Um, you know, he's not in medium where he sees ghosts. Uh, but like I said, as far as arm talent concerned, Sam's got a way better arm than Joe Flacco at this point. Just how it is. So it'll be very interesting to see tomorrow what information we get. If Sam Darnold practices tomorrow, probably a good chance he plays Sunday. So I guess that's a good thing. But at the same time, it does concern me because I'm worried about his throwing arm. 
might be best to sit Sam and just throw the old Joe Flacco out there and see if the old blue hand from Udell can do it. All right, so talked about a lot of uh, concerning things. Uh, try, try to have some sort of positivity with this. I did talk about Bryce Huffer a little bit. Um, and how about Je- Jeff Smith, folks? Um, man, was it nice to see a receiver going out there and making plays. Really, really nice to see a speedy guy, you know, getting between the – getting, in, you know, through the traffic making catches, making first downs. I think he had four or five first downs with seven catches for 81 yards. Unfortunately, Sam Darnold missed him probably about two or three times in in the game, a couple times for a first down. One of them was for a touchdown. Um, You know, this is part of the struggles that Sam has had. You know, he makes great plays when he's on the run. He plays really, really good backyard football. But uh, it's hard to run an offense and deploy a scheme and develop a rhythm with your, your other guys if you're constantly fleeing the pocket and guys are running timing routes and you're on the opposite side of the field. Really hard to get a develop and a rhythm going in your offense when your quarterback is constantly feeling the pressure, seeing you know, things that may not be there, and then running for his life and leaning, leaving good you know, pass protection, um, at good pass pros, as, as they would say. Um, and Darnold has done that this year. Um, there have been times where he thinks he's seeing pressure. He just scoots and runs. You know, had he stepped up in the pocket, had he stayed in there for another half second, you know, that's what the greats do. They they stand tall in that pocket. They know they're going to get hit, but they deliver the football. And you have to have a little bit of faith that the refs are going to do their job. Clearly they didn't do that last week, but that if somebody comes in there and, and, and wails you, you're probably going to get a free first down out of it, even if you don't get the completion. But Sam's got to learn how to stand tall in the pocket and deliver the football. And uh, a lot of that comes with an experience. I'm not going to get uh, too much into, um, you know, the concerns of the offense here. We already know where it's at. Um, you know, quite alarming that Barrios had eight snaps last week. And, you know, week two and week three, the guy had scored two touchdowns in a row. He was the only one making plays out there for Sam. And then Adam Gase throws up this scheme where he's not he's a non-factor. How do you do that? How do you have a guy that's developing a rapport with a struggling quarterback and then you only deploy him eight times the entire game? And maybe Barrios is banged up, and we don't know that, and the Jets are hiding that. I don't know. But it is very odd that he's not riding the hot hand. And Barrios has shown enough in week two and week three that he deserves at least 50% of the offensive snaps. You can't convince me right now with the depletion of this wide receiver group that he does, that he isn't deserving of, of more snaps. So I'm going to move over to the defense. Ah, big concerns here with the defense for me. Penalties. Penalties, penalties. For four weeks in a row, I have recorded that the Jets have had a penalty inside the red zone for four weeks in a row. For four weeks in a row, the Jets have had at least one roughing the passer penalty. For four weeks in a row, the Jets have given a free first down on third and more. 
by not playing smart football. It's just super frustrating. I've noted Terrell Basham, Quinn Williams, Henry Anderson. And I guess Steve McClendon's in there too because he did that last week. But there was somebody else here that I had that will probably come to me later. Long story short, we got problems, especially with this pass rush. We're not getting to the quarterback enough. And when we do, we're late and we get penalized. Got to play smart. Got to have a plan when you're there trying to get after the quarterback. I know it's hard. You know, coming out with a bat out of hell, trying to get to – to make a play, and then you have to be as gentle as possible right up to the moment where you tackle the quarterback. Very, very difficult to do. I know I probably wouldn't be able to do it. But these new rules for the quarterback have been in play for a couple years now. I could understand it for some of the inexperienced guys. For the experienced guys, like Henry Anderson, can't be crushing the quarterback and giving three first downs to the team. Got to find ways to get off the field on third down when you're on defense. Jets have not been able to do that. Some other things that have been a concern for me is the defensive back room. Really seems like feast or famine for Pierre Desir. I feel bipolar one minute. I'm, I'm screaming at the guy. The next minute he's taking a pick six to the house. Um, it's unfortunate. We thought that we got an improvement at the cornerback position by letting go Darrell Roberts and uh, Tremaine Johnson. Bring in Pierre Desir. Push up the guys from, you know, last year, Millette, Austin, Harrison. Majority of our cornerbacks are hurt. We had to a point to where we had to play Lamar Jackson, a practice squad kid, UDFA rookie, in last week's game, and I was concerned. I mean, he made a couple plays, but there were just some plays out there where I said, this kid, like a deer in headlights. I think he has potential down the line, but he just seems very raw. And (laughs) when you're on a losing team and you're playing in New York, you will get roasted and run out of town if you do not play well outside as a cornerback in New York. Maybe anywhere, but New York will rip you to pieces. So I'm concerned um, about the defensive backfield. Marcus May looks great week one. Really haven't seen much the last three weeks out of him. They put him into the Jamal Adams role. He's not Jamal Adams, folks. Somebody had said it last week, maybe Robbie Sabo. If you don't know who he is, go check him out on Twitter. Puts out great stuff. I believe he said that Marcus May belongs back in that free safety role. Put McDougal in the strong safety role. Put somebody else in there, if you can. Marcus May has been at his best, exception to week one, when he's playing in a single high, two high safety set, kind of playing that center fielder role. That's just my opinion on Marcus May. Who knows? He could change things. He could develop. You know, my concern is, is that he has had poor luck with injuries, in his past, he did well last year, to, you know, to get through the season, he played well. I'm just concerned, you know, with 
more activity inside the tackle box, more likely this guy might get hurt at some point. I don't want to put the, the bad voodoo on him. I just would like to see Mar- Marcus May get through this season and play at a high level so that he gets paid what he deserves. McDougal, I'm a little frustrated with at this point. Um, it's something I mentioned earlier. Um, kind of miscommunication between him and Avery Williamson about conversation about, you know, not playing to win or practicing to win. Um, McDougal, you haven't been here long enough to run your mouth like that. And you're a replacement. So know your role, put your head down, learn your playbook, and play better football. That's how I would say it. I could be wrong, but I just don't like new guys coming in here and talking crap like that. Avery Williamson, a little bit of a different scenario. He's been here for a couple of years, turning into somewhat of a household name, even though Joe Douglas tried to spend the entire offseason trying to trade him. But I could understand it from Avery. McDougal, please, just just play. Get out there, help your teammates, try to try to help us win. We don't need you making comments. We already got enough negativity with this team. We don't need players right now starting to run their mouth and becoming detrimental to this locker room. So I'll leave that where it's at. So now something that I was thinking about before I was doing the show, think about it quite often. And it's about Joe Douglas, folks. Who is Joe Douglas and what is his agenda? That's what I've written down here. Does he want Sam Darnold in the just future? Does he have a plan for 2021? Maybe it's already in place. Maybe he's still working on it. What's he going to do about Le'Veon Bell when he comes back? Is he waiting for Le'Veon Bell to have that great game so that he could be trade bait before the deadline? Now, there were some comments that I saw that Manish Mehta put out today. Statements from Joe Douglas from his past. We're not punting on the season. Every year we look to win the Super Bowl. We're going to make Jamal Adams a jet for life. And keeping receipts on everything that you say. We're watching. Analyzing. We're going to start scrutinizing you pretty soon. A lot of people are giving you a pass. A lot of people have already... Getting, getting you a tailored gold jacket. God knows why. But the man's got charisma and he's got something going for him, and there's a lot of fan base out there that love the guy. Don't know why. I think that he's done an okay job. Right down the middle is where I'm going to go with him. I like some of your draft picks. That's kind of where I lean to. Nims was a guy that I talked about at length. I love Beckton. Big Bryce Hall fan. I think he's going to be the next Bless Austin. We may not see dividends this year, but I think next year, him and Bless Austin should be the two lockdown corners on this team. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm also a big fan of Cam Clark. I think Cam Clark, when he gets healthy, will crack this starting lineup at some point. So I like some of the guys that you've drafted. That's what gives me a little bit of hope. I'm concerned with some of the trades that he's made, and I'm concerned 
with some of the free agent decisions that he's made. Um, more of his decisions have not panned out or played out something productive since he's come in here. Brian Khalil didn't work out. Um, we brought in Demaris Thomas. He was all right. We brought in Alex Lewis, traded for the guy, ends up becoming a starter. But, you know, it was where Lewis was good for at least one penalty a game, usually at times when the offense was doing pretty well. Um, you know, and he was becoming a little bit of an, a liability before he got injured and got shut down for in 2019. You know, you look at some of the other free agent decisions that he's made this year, something I was talking about today, this morning, with Glenn and some other fans. Robbie Anderson's getting $10 million a year. We're, we're paying Perriman $8 million a year. And Robbie got a two-year deal. Why wouldn't we pay Robbie Anderson $30 million, $10 million a year? Only receiver that's developed a rapport with our young quarterback. He is the only guy that was making plays besides Jamison Crowder on the receiving side. And he tried to trade him last year before the deadline. We heard the rumors a couple weeks before the trade deadline, Robbie Anderson's on the trade block. Don't know why. But then it seemed after that, Robbie heated up. He started to play better. I also remember Robbie saying he was excited and putting out that Wolf of Wall Street thing. I'm not effing leaving. It was exciting to see that there was actually somebody that wants to be a part of this team in the future. Joe Douglas didn't want to pay the guy. I think that can't, that's going to come back to burn him. Because right now, Perriman's been hurt. Joe Douglas' fault. But when you're looking at the decision of not signing Robbie Anderson, and then after he signs at Carolina, within an hour or two, maybe 90 minutes, all of a sudden, Rashard Perriman's a New York Jet. It's almost like he offered them the same contract or maybe he was holding that Perriman contract back because he knew that no one was going to pay him $8 million, but he was willing to do so for whatever reason because he thought he was a poor man's Robbie Anderson. You know, there's that saying, cheap don't pay, folks. Good is cheap, but cheap ain't good. So I'm a little upset the fact that you know, some of these decisions that we've seen in the offseason coming to light now that haven't really panned out for this team. You know, a lot of people, you know, Glenn and I were going back and forth, and he was saying, you know, you know Robbie Anderson is just playing so well. All right. Two 100-yard games week one and week two, 55 yards in, in week three, and he had 99 yards last week with a touchdown. Um, you know, I said to Glenn, you know, I was way more impressed with his 2017 stretch where he had six touchdowns in five games, kind of his coming out party to the New York Jets in the world. That was when I was the most impressed with Robbie Anderson. But he's on a new team. You know, they've got some injuries down there in Carolina, and he is thriving in that offense. And he's also got a good quarterback that we used to have in Teddy Bridgewater. So they got a little bit of chemistry there. So it's not surprising me that a talented wide receiver and was developing to become a guy that can work the intermediate and short aspects of the field is now – becoming that guy where he's at in his career. So I believe it might be year four for Robbie, if I'm not mistaken. So Robbie's in his prime, and we let him go. I think that was a bad decision, folks. Should have paid him. Because we're looking at this team now. We're looking at the receivers that Sam Darnold's got to work with. 
He doesn't have enough talent out there to get it done, people. You know, now 0-4, we're battling with the Giants and the Falcons and some other loser team that's 0-4 for the number one pick next year. And I'm just wondering if Sam Darnold's going to be a part of this future or not. Did Joe Douglas look at this roster and say, this isn't going to happen, this isn't going to do it? So let me trade Jamal, try to get a Lions, you know, a, a crazy haul for him, which he did. And we won't know if those Jamal Adams picks pan out until 2024 and 2025. It's a long time to wait. We're very impatient in New York. We may not know. Who knows if Joe Douglas will still be here by the time that those key first-round picks that he, he got for Jamal Adams pan out to be the guys. Because we know looking at our past history of our first-round draft picks. First-round guys are not, you know, solidified or guaranteed to be great. It's still a 50-50 shot in the first round, and the percentage gets worse and the bust rate gets worse, or higher, I should say, in the draft. But we'll see. I think I saw today somebody said that we would have the number three pick and the number 30 pick. Subject to change. So I'm wondering, as many Jeff fans are, because I've already seen it, tank for Trevor. And I don't know if a new young quarterback getting thrown into the mix is going to be the right move for 2021. But you know what other concerns I have? Is that we've got near $30 million in cap space. And we don't have a pass rush. We're thin at wide receiver. Our depth at O-line is questionable. And our secondary in certain plays getting beat like a drum. Competitive as I anticipated it to be. I predicted a 9-7 record. I went for the ceiling. I didn't want to be the negative guy that I've been in the past and say 7-9, and 6-10. and I just probably should have done it. Who knows? If the Jets win six games, that, that might be a blessing. But it concerns me that our general manager says that we're not punting on the season, trying to win a Super Bowl, but we're not going to spend money. You know, like I say in Vegas, scared money don't make money, folks. So I don't know why we didn't try to I mean, what is it about the New York Jets that they do not want to prioritize the pass rusher position? I mean, you see, I assume Jets fans are watching other teams. I'm a football fanatic, so I watch all the games, and I see what other teams do. And it looks like offenses are running way easier than we are, especially in a year where, by statistically, this is the most scoring that we've seen in the first four weeks of the season. You know, yet the Jets can't even put together a six, seven, eight play drive without tripping over themselves. Now, maybe without a preseason, a lot of these guys are rusty. Maybe that's why the defenses look so bad this year. These guys aren't in good enough shape yet. They're not in football shape. I talked about that 
you know, back in the summer, you know, you go through this process, you know, running with, you know, track uniforms without the pads on, without taking those hits. There's a difference between training for football and then getting in football shape by playing football. Two different things in my mind from my experience of playing, which is not a lot. But it is quite quite odd how poor the defense has been in the NFL this year. And maybe, you know, that's Jets are a part of that. But it is very alarming how other teams are so successful with their offense and what they do and maximizing the potential and production out of their starters, out of their backups. I mean, if you if you saw the New England game, excuse me, <clears throat> last night, you know that first half it was three to six game with Brent uh, with Hoyer as the quarterback against Pat Mahomes. So Belichick put together a great scheme and had the number one offense in the NFL to six points in the first half. And then things just got crazy in the second half, and Kansas City ran away with it, and it was a thing of beauty because I love watching the Patriots struggle. But you could see the difference in coaching on, okay, i got to remove my ego, talking about Adam Gase, and I'm not going to be able to implement what I want to do because I don't have the personnel to run what I, the scheme that I'm trying to formulate here. But, you know, this player is a power back, so we've got to run a power scheme for this running back. We've got to run a zone scheme for this guy. We have to run rub routes for this receiver. We've got to stretch the field with this guy. He's got to learn who his people are, who his personnel are, and figure out ways to maximize their potential on the field. Adam Geese isn't doing that. I'm clearly concerned with with the way this team is, you know, unraveling throughout the season. I question what Joe Douglas is going to do this coming Sunday, the next Sunday, the weeks down the line, now, are you going to make a trade, try to improve this lineup somewhere? Are you going to sign somebody from God knows where, Canada, Europe, arena football? There's got to be somebody out there that can play ball. So I don't know. I have questions when it comes to Joe Douglas. I know I, tonight's been a rough show probably for certain, for certain fans listening to me. It seems like, you know, I'm always Mr. Positive and somebody last week said I was the voice of reason. I kind of got a good laugh out of that. I, I don't see myself that way, but it's been tough. It's tough to sit here and try to feed the listeners this glimpse of hope when everything is just kind of falling apart around us with this team. So we got to hang tight. We've got to hope that this team gets healthy somehow. Maybe we get a little luck on our side because we've had nothing but bad luck this year and maybe the last two years. So maybe our luck will change and some of the guys will get healthy. Maybe the addition of Mims and Bell will be exactly what this offense needs to get on some sort of path, a competitive path, hopefully, a path with, with multiple wins before I pull my hair out. So I think that kind of is going to 
wrap it up on my synopsis of the team and what they did last week. So we got to talk a little bit about this Sunday. We got to move forward somehow. Got to forge through this. And this week we're going up against Arizona, Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals. Right now, if I have to give you a prediction, I'll start with my game day prediction right now. It's going to be another difficult week. Jets have been averaging about, uh, I should have wrote this down, I had between 20 to 31 points a game they've been letting up. I don't see that changing again this week. I think Arizona stomps us 34 to 13. Jets have not been successful against mobile quarterbacks. Kyler Murray can scoot, and he can ball. Two things that I've always been confident about with this young man. I watch a lot of college ball. i very shocked to see all the negativity that was thrown in Kyler Murray's way with his height and this and that. And he didn't compete in the, the combine and you know, didn't do well in his interviews. For me, I don't really care about how well you conduct yourself in front of the camera. I just care about how you play on the field and what you do when you're on the field. Kyler Murray can ball. He can run. He can throw. He's got crazy arm talent, crazy arm strength. And he's got one of the best wide receivers that he could throw to in DeAndre Hopkins. D-Hop will not be contained. We do not have the personnel. You have to hang a safety on his side Every play, maybe bless Austin. Maybe those guys have to draw straws for it to see who gets the op. And Lord knows. I mean, my guess is the hop's probably going to go off on us. So make sure you have some comfort food, some adult beverages, and people that can comfort you. <laughs> because I just don't see how we can stop DeAndre Hopkins and, and Colin Murray. And that's only two people on the team I'm speaking of right now. But who knows? The Jets have done crazier things. The NFL is completely unpredictable. And like I said before, you know, Joe Blacko can come out and throw four touchdowns this week. I have no idea what's going to happen. That would be great. It would be confusing on what we do moving forward. But I would be happy to get a win and get an upset this week. Um, I think I saw something like the Jets are six and a half, seven point underdogs. Vegas always knows something. It's always something I've been told, too. So maybe this game will be much closer than I anticipate. I mean, if you look at the, the Denver game, it was much closer than we anticipated. And when the Jets kind of tripped over themselves in the last final minutes of the fourth quarter, and that second touchdown where it looked like the deep completely gaped up, rolled over, and let Melvin Gordon run all over him for that score, you can just know that their their spirit was broken and they were done. And that game should not have, they should not have scored as many points as they did in the last final minutes, but we just rolled over and died. But, you know, for about, say, 45 minutes of that game, Jets were looking like a team that could compete, as ugly as it was. I mean, both teams, Denver and the Jets are, you know, a couple stinkers. But, they had a little bit of a slugfest for three quarters there. And it was a little bit entertaining. It was more entertaining than what I've seen from recent weeks. 
with the exception of the injuries that we saw with Sam. So who knows? You know, my guess is those that will fall to 0 and 5. This one's not going to play out well for us. You know, and the other thing here is, you know, we're going to see Kenyon Drake. This is one of those conversations about how all these players, you know, have become luminous beings, you know, without the tutelage of Adam Gase. Um, I'm not big, you know, high on Kenyon Drake. I think he's average at best and below average on most, most days. But it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't have a day on us. I mean, what running back hasn't looked good against this defense? We've been getting run all over for four weeks in a row. So my, my, my assumption here is that Kenny Drake is probably going to look pretty damn good. He's going to feed into the narrative that most people love to uh, jump in on. And I get it. I understand people are coming from. People are frustrated. And that's how they vent. That's how they get it off their chest. You got to do what you got to do, especially when you're a Jets fan. It's going to be tough. You know, Jets are going to have to learn how to contain Kyler Murray. Defense is going to be critical. You know, maintaining outside. You know, we've seen players not be disciplined and get beat by mobile quarterbacks. Got to know your role. You have to trust your teammates. And you have to do your job. As, you know, do your job, as Bill Belichick would say. So I'm hoping that these guys, you know, got some sort of, you know, slap in the face and that they're ticked off enough. You know, teams get tired of losing. Teams get desperate when you get 0-4. Some teams just pack it in. I don't think that's this team. As bad as we are, I don't think we're just going to pack it in. You got to show some fight. I don't know what Greg Williams has in the store, but hope for it he can put together a better game plan than he's had that he's had done. Because right now it's been pretty ugly football on both sides. So that's probably gonna do it for us here tonight. Um looks like Glenn was not able to come in. All good. He and I will link up next week. Hopefully talking about a Jets win. And then we can refute all the negative things that I've had to say tonight. And, um, you know, please, folks, if you haven't known by now, JetNation.com has got the biggest NFL fan forum. So if you're looking for more Jets, more conversation, if you like to argue and debate about anything, you got to go to JetNation.com and get involved in the forums. And if you want, call into the show, 646-716-4697. should probably do that in the beginning of the show moving forward now. Here I am in the last few minutes giving out the phone, phone number. But please, folks, we want your feedback. We need your reviews. We've moved and we're on Apple Music now, so you can find us there. You can find us on YouTube. Um, I believe we're on Google Play and Apple Podcast. So we're out there. you got to come find us. And to give a couple shout-outs to the other guys that are part of our crew here, 
Green Bean. If you haven't heard about Green Bean, you got to get down with Green Bean. That guy is a wild, crazy man, traveling the, traveling the country, going to all sorts of random places. But he always finds time to do a little bit of a video about what's going on in his mind with the Jets. So you got to give Green Bean a follow. And you got to give Dylan, Dylan Terriman, at D-T-E-R-E-M-A-N. Dylan's been coming in, filling in for, you know, some times in which I'm not here, um, which has been great. Thank you. We appreciate that. He's one of our content writers. Great stuff coming from Dylan. Give a little shout-out to Green Bean. There's Green Bean. Well, I'm having a hard time finding Green Bean now because I'm trying to search him on. Let's see here. Nope, that's not the one. So I'll uh, post out Green Beans. I'll tweet it out. Give my boy Green Bean a little shout-out. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Glenn Naughton, fan 23. The best writer that we have. He's the main guy. He holds down the fort. We all know Glenn's the man. You got to give Glenn a follow, too. And if you like what I got to say, why not follow me? At NYJetsLife24. All about Jets conversation, ladies and gentlemen. Any time of day and night, tweet me. Send me a question. Send me a question for the show. Give me a like. Give me a review. Tell us what you want to hear. We want your feedback. So, again, thank you for taking the time for joining us for another episode of Jet Nation Radio.com. Thank you to Miles Social, our sponsor. Everyone have a safe and a good one. And hopefully by this time next week, we are raving about a Jets upset. So until then, everyone, have a wonderful night. And as per usual, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!